0: The blueberry industry is like no other passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, President of the U.S. High Bush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist.
1: Well, welcome back to another episode of The Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. As we kick off the year here at the USHBC, we wanted to create an opportunity to listen to what's top of mind for you, our growers, marketers, and industry stakeholders. Therefore, we've launched a series of town halls in each of our major growing regions, inviting you to join me and your USHBC board representatives for an open forum discussion about the efforts and activities underway to drive and develop our blueberry industry. We want to know what you're seeing that's working, what needs to improve, what needs to stop, and what needs to start. These gatherings will be limited to groups of just 15, so we can ensure that these are truly listening sessions. Yes, I'll be sure to briefly share an overview of the activity underway at USHBC so you can hear the latest about what assessments are doing to drive the category. But after that, we'll turn the virtual mic over to you. This is going to be an excellent way for us to connect, but space is limited and first come, first served. Reservations are necessary to attend. Therefore, we'll put a link in the show notes for you to register for your region session. Please register today because these town halls are happening this week and next. We're back with another tech episode today, although today's focus is not on any new gadget or gizmo, but some important research that has big implications for the Blueberries. I'm back here with my trusty co-host, Rod Cook. Happy New Year, Rod. Happy New Year. I'm glad we're here again for what has been a great series of tech. So, you know, I continue to get a lot of great feedback for the work we're doing here. And I'm excited about kicking off 2021 with another series of these great episodes with you. So what do we have in store for everyone today?
2: You know, you've had a number of conversations on the podcast really since the inception with marketers and even a few blueberry breeders. And they all have that same thing to say, which is the consumer has to have a good experience when eating our fruit, or we're not going to have a successful industry. So no amount of marketing can overcome poor quality. That sort of thing you know, is a common thread that I've heard time and time again. And so today we're going to talk about a new set of tools that is being developed. It's a really big project. Its acronym is VACCAP for VAXidium Coordinated Agricultural Project. And yeah, it's a big mouthful. So VACCAP is what we're calling it. It's almost $13 million worth of research funding going into this, half of it from stakeholders, industry, and Uh, research institutions. Half of it's supported by the U.S. government through USDA. So we're going to talk a little bit about that on how to put some of these tools to improve quality in the fruit as rapidly as possible to get the turnover to newer varieties into the hands of our growers and ensure that the consumer keeps good quality in their mouth.
1: That sounds great. And and this is ultimately, the, you know, the podcast on the business of blueberries. And I think it fits really well with the theme we've had lately. We've had Dr. Paul Irene in episode 26, and then we just had Corp Brazelton on episode 29. So for those of you listening, if you haven't listened to those yet, you definitely want to go back and download those after finishing this episode. But Rod, I say we dig in here. Who do we have joining us today?
2: We've got three professors, Dr. Massimo Izzori. Massimo is from North Carolina State University. We have uh, Jim Hancock, professor at Emeritus, Michigan State University and recent recipient of the NABC Duke Galetta Award, and Dr. Patricio Munoz from uh, University of Florida. So I thought the best way to attack this topic would be to put it sort of in some sort of context that growers would really understand. Most of, the, especially the Northern High Bush folks, all know Jim Hancock. And Jim and I go a long way back because I matriculated at Michigan State University as well. I actually worked for Jim. Planted some blueberries on one of MSU's research farm early on in uh, my blueberry career and that's probably the last we should ever talk about those poor blueberries because I pretty well massacred them for you. But anyway, (laughs) Jim, maybe you could describe a little bit of the methods of traditional blueberry breeding when you develop things like Aurora, Liberty, Draper, Calypso, all of these things you're so well known for.
3: Thanks, Rod. And Thanks for bringing up the bad things that happened so I didn't have to do it. Um, but each, you know, each year I made 35 to 40 crosses, generated 50 to 100 progeny of each, and then put them in the field. I then walked the rows and evaluated them for about three years. Michigan's not a fast place for development. And I evaluated them for their habit, productivity, season, and fruit quality. I selected the the most favorable ones based on really my personal experience of what I thought consumers would enjoy. Ultimately, the best 1% or so were propagated, sent to six locations across the world, and then from these, one or two were selected as varieties, and then we patented them. I didn't use any modern DNA tools, even towards the end of that process the cost of developing them was going to be too expensive, you know even though they would have greatly benefited my program, I just didn't have the bucks to do it. I kind of dabbled and produced scientific papers, but really wasn't able to deploy the technology so
2: thanks Jim. I mean, and still, even with all that, you've put out some really fantastic varieties, so congratulations on those and and thanks from the industry and so on and so forth for all the effort because that's what it really has uh not not that it's going to be any less effort with uh that cap in place but we were talking kind of before the podcast about starting quite a long time ago i mean i walked the plots with you but i certainly walked them with arlen draper and john nelson uh, my mentor at michigan blueberry growers as well so it took years to develop these things so very very intriguing so i'd now like to briefly bring in Patricio. Uh, You're the plant breeder for blueberries, well, amongst other things at University of Florida. I mean, you you follow in some really big shoes with Dr. Ralph Sharp, Paul Irene, uh, Jim Olmstead. I mean, these are some people who've done some pretty impressive things. I've heard great things about what you're doing as well patricio read a number of your papers which i i can barely understand because you are sort of what i would term the the new style breeder and i i think it's the kind of things you enjoy that that cap should really be enhancing so can you talk to us a little bit about some of the newer style things going on for you
4: first um thanks for for allowing us to present the project here and and I'm a big fan of you guys and, and the podcasts and the work that you do with including team. I think it's been very impactful for the industry and the community. I listen to every single one of them and I make all my students to listen to it too. So back to your question, Rod, I will say that you know, for um people that understand plant breeding, you know, will tell you that in reality the method or the strategy of plant breeding, it doesn't change much. From what we have been doing for years. Plant breeding in the tra- very traditional way has been very successful and you just covered that with some of the examples that you gave with Jim and you guys in the podcast covered many of the examples that you know with Paul Irene, all the releases. I mean I'm, I'm very fortunate to work in you know in a program that created half of the global industry with the development of the no chill cultivars. So what we are trying to do here and, and the way that you know the new methodologies, or the new method of doing plant breeding works. In reality, it's just adding more tools so that we can get into this uh, new toolbox and then use it to make selections faster, or more efficient, you know, and more precise. But we are not changing the concept of plant breeding from the sense that we still make crosses like Jim um, you know, was mentioning before, and we still need to do selection. So these tools help us to do a better selection and faster.
2: Okay, great. And our third guest, I will just call him Dr. Massimo. I'm sorry. C- can you pronounce That's it? Fine. Can you tell me your last name exactly? Because I always screwed up. Yoritzo,
5: but it's okay. And I prefer if you <laughs> even see, Massimo. Massimo, yeah.
2: why don't you talk a little bit about the project? Because you're really the project leader. Uh, North Carolina State has driven this product forward. Talk a little bit about the scope and such.
5: Yeah, Rod and Casey also, thank you. For, uh, for the chance to uh, be part of the podcast. So the backup project actually started in 2019, but I should mention that the preparation for getting to the backup project started much earlier. So in uh, indeed in in uh, I worked with the same team uh, on a planning grant between 2016 and 2018 that was also funded by USDA uh, NIFA and during the the planning grant what we were able to do with the funding was to survey the industry and we distributed a a survey, breeding priority survey, across uh, 14 states in the U.S., covering all the major uh, commodity group uh, meetings that uh, where uh, there is a major production of blueberry and cranberry, and then asking the question, what are the priority for breeding for the industry? And for blueberry, we got uh, over 370 response, and the industry indicated that uh, fruit quality was the most important breeding priority. So the objective of the backup then were centered around the, the stakeholder uh, industry priority. Uh, so yeah, so that's uh, somehow the, how the how the project came along and how built up.
1: Well, let me jump in here before we dive too deep into this conversation and take a quick break. We really want to get in a quick crop report from important blueberry growing regions like Mexico, Peru, and Chile. So here, once again, Is your blueberry crop report?
0: It's time now for the Blueberry Crop Report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry areas around the globe. Today you'll hear from Juan Soria Morales in Mexico, Andres Armstrong in Chile, and Luis Vegas in Peru. This was recorded on January 20th, 2021.
6: This is uh, Juan Soria Morales from Mexico, and I'm going to give the information regarding blueberries from from Um This uh, year is, is being great for us. Uh, Mexico uh, has been, has begun the year with awesome volumes. The second week of uh, 2021, we exported a total of uh, 2,667 uh, pounds. Mexico exports are 31,192,350 pounds. Compared to last season, And we are talking about season 2019-2020. The volume that we have exported to the United States is being 12 percent higher. For the third week of this year, we expect to have a very good uh, crop and we are expecting to export around three million pounds. That will be the report for, for our site.
7: Hello, this is Andres Armstrong from the Chilean blueberry committee with the Chilean report for week three. The report will include data up to week one, which is uh, January the 10th. So harvest continues to be focused in the southern part of the central zone and with the mid-season varieties and beginning with the late ones. These regions continue to provide the highest export volumes, although they are already declining. Returning to full weeks of harvest after the end of year celebrations, 20.7 million pounds were exported during week one. It is important to mention that these first weeks of January, the availability of labor for the harvest remain with some limitations, but with the cherry season almost finished in the central south zone, the situation is more positive than it was during December. Regarding the accumulated volumes, 146.3 million pounds have been exported this season from Chile. Uh, with a decrease of 2.3% compared to, to the previous season. This is my report for this week. Thank you very much, Casey, for the opportunity.
0: Good
4: afternoon, everybody. This is Luis with the crop report from Peru up until the end of week two, which is the week ending on January 17th. Peru is reaching the end of its season. And most farms has have already finished harvesting. Up until the end of week two, Peru has shipped 345 million pounds worldwide, which represents around 96% of the total volume forecasted for this season. This volume represents an increase of 32% in volume versus the previous season. What happened during week two, Peru shipped a total of 3.3 million pounds, which is slightly below the volume shipped
1: uh, last season. Well, thank you so much to our colleagues from around Latin America and Mexico. who take time to participate in these crop reports. It's really important to understand what's happening during this time of the year in places like Chile, Peru, and Mexico. So now let's get back to our episode. Massimo, maybe a good place to start. You could tell us a little bit more about the duration of this project and how many researchers are involved. Just kind of fill us in on, on what's happening.
5: Uh, so, yeah, the project actually involves uh, 20 investigators directly involved in the research and all the operation. And uh, this include all the major breeding programs in the U.S. that cover expertise, not only in traditional breeding, but also molecular genetics and genomics. And uh, uh, collaborate with experts uh, in food science, socioeconomics, engineering extension. We represent 12 institutions three the location across US and include collaborators from all over the world in uh, also international collaborators from New Zealand and Italy. So the project that was supported by over 60 partners representing commodity group representative, breeders, other extension and researcher, and then uh, that are engaged during the project for collaboration, for educating them and for the, transferring the deliverable. The project, it's a four year uh, project we land in August two thousand twenty-three, unless we need an additional year. That it's allowed to be requested. So yeah, so that's as the uh, will be two
2: thousand twenty-four. So Masimo, just to be sure that I'm understanding this all correctly, then the goal is—is is it to read the genome and then develop specific ways to interact uh, or select uh, characteristics? Is this berry only, or are we gonna do the whole thing? Or are you gonna be able to? understand the Bush habit and characteristics as well? I mean, how detailed a tool are you trying to develop out of this project? Yeah, maybe it's
5: easier, uh, Rod, if I kind of give an overview of how the project is structured and what are the main objective of the project. So the project has 10 teams and uh, develop around five objectives. So objective one is where we will develop the DNA tools. Those are relatively expensive tools and that uh, will help us to Understand more better the genome of blueberry but cranberry as well, but also to develop genotyping tools that we can use to study the genetics of any trait, including fruit quality, okay, in blueberry and cranberry. So the objective to focus on studied genetics of fruit quality. In particular, we will focus on the texture, volatile and non-volatile chemical composition. And another part of the, of the objective too is to understand the connection between the fruit characteristics and the quality in terms of shelf life, consumer preference, willingness to pay, bruising for mechanical harvest, because the breeder, what we measure in the field, it's a characteristics, but we want to try to understand how those characteristics correlate or contribute to the quality of the berry. So the third objective is to develop DNA assay Basically, can we develop a simple DNA assay that the breeding program can use in their, uh, in their operations to select for some characteristics? Objective four, it's more about uh, socioeconomics. We want to understand the, the relation between the quality and the willingness to pay or willingness to buy of the consumer. The question is, does quality play a role into consumer buying more or paying more for certain blueberry type or certain quality and then Objective 5, it's uh, extension, it's delivering and transferring this information to the uh, our stakeholder, educate the, the industry and the, our uh, audience, even also public, uh, and establish new collaboration with the community. Uh, so, yeah, I hope that this gave an overview of the project.
2: Yeah, that's, like I say, a big project, very complex, uh, lots of things going on. But Patricio, let's bring you back in. I know you really have excelled at this whole area of molecular genetics and such. How do you see this, um, the tools that they're developing there, how are they going to help you? How do you put those into place within a breeding program at University of Florida?
4: So, Rod, I think that the, the best way to understand this is, is with an example, you know, um, Traditionally, like, um, you know, Jim mentioned before, and we were discussing before, you know, the process to develop a new cultivar, it takes a very long time, you know, over 10 years and sometimes even 15 years. So imagine that you have a new disease, an emerging disease, and then the issue is that we cannot take 10 or 15 years to develop a new variety to, you know, to develop something resistant to this disease. So our growers need a faster response from the breeders, they need a a cultivar that's able to resist this disease, and they are able to plant it and, and, you know, and still stay profitable. So uh, with this project, we hope to develop the resources and the tools to actually make that happen. So to be able to react faster, to be able to develop cultivars a lot faster than we have been doing it. So
2: let's bring Jim back in for a question or two. I know you're professor emeritus, but I also know you got your fingers still in a number of pies involved in the breeding program and are a participant at some level within the back cap program. Jim, can you shed some light on the whole program for us? How would this have revolutionized your program, or what do you see as you know the importance of this program for growers? Because uh, I know you you bring things down to the grower level pretty effectively.
3: Thanks, Rod. I'm a pretty simple guy and I see this pretty simply. I think first and foremost, at the end of this project, we'll have an accurate concept of what consumers really like in a blueberry. And we will have developed tools to accurately assess that fruit quality. So it's not going to be good old Jim or Patricio out there popping berries in their mouth and deciding what the consumer wants we're going to have really an accurate assessment. And then the second thing is we're going to be able to make decisions based on, you know, more than our intuition and we're going to have DNA diagnostic markers that will allow us to better focus our breeding efforts. It'll save time and money and we will not have to waste space in our selection blocks with plants that are destined to taste like well Lousy, <laughs> and this approach is really going to let us have higher numbers of quality things in the field to start out with, to s- select with. It essentially was a dream of mine to get to this point, and I'm glad I'm still have my fingers on the bumper, if you will, to to see it happen.
2: Yeah, I again, uh, I guess I have a foot in that old test plot still. It seems. I mean, we had varieties that you and I walked they probably, well, I don't know, I I shouldn't speak for the folks now, but they may still, some of those varieties may still be in those plots, uh, and they were there before I came and certainly long after. Massimo, you've talked a little bit about the size and the scope, duration of the project. Can you kind of give us an update? Where are the the four or five work groups now? Uh, I know with the COVID affecting the way researchers can carry out their research, I mean, some people couldn't even get in their labs for a while. Where are the various projects?
5: Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, So like I said, we started in 2019. And uh, we just started now our second year. Now the pandemic, yes, like you said, has uh, opened multiple challenges during the first year, especially with the field activities. However, uh, the team has done an extraordinary work, working very hard to try to overcome all the challenge, and we were able to move forward the project. Uh, so Objective 1, it's moving now at full speed, and several partners are directly involved in Objective 1 to develop a cost-effective genotyping platform that uh, we expect to be ready by the end of, This year, beginning of next year, So most of the experiment for objective two and four were actually planned for starting in year two, and we are still on target for starting those activity in year two. We had our annual meeting a few months ago, and uh, we have already planned all the activity for uh, starting those objectives and uh, those uh, activity. Uh, The extension team, it's uh, it's very active. They are working already on the project. They developed uh, a, a website, the Vaccinium Cup website, Uh, We have another uh, website, the GDB, that hosts all the genomic resources. We have developed a a tweet account, uh, a backup and a YouTube channel that we are slowly starting to populate. And then also, most of the PI that are involved in the project have already been presenting at the grower association meeting about introducing the project, but also during this winter, we will be presenting on updates on the project. So that is how also the community can get an update about where we are and what we are doing on the project.
2: Okay. We'll make sure we post that up on, the, uh, on our contact page. Patricia, I wanted to come back and ask you a question because I, Talked a little bit about you know a different style of breeding, but just to make sure for anybody listening out there, we're still not talking about GMOs. This type of uh, breeding that will be able to be sped up is still pretty much a traditional thing. This is this is not in that whole area of GMO that the consumer is still, frankly, quite concerned about. Is that correct?
4: Yeah, that's right, Rod. And I think this is is an important always to clarify. I think uh, um, transgenic, or, or GMO still is a, is a great tool for, for us, plant breeders, and for doing research as well to that's the way that we have to validate what genes do. You know Basically, we shut down a gene, and in that way we can um, find out what was the function of that gene. So it still is a great tool for us as uh, plant breeders. Uh, however, in this prey, we are not doing that. We are not inserting genes from other species into the blueberry genome. What we are doing is that we are just looking into the genome, and then based on the genetic makeup that these plants have, we do selection or we discard them.
2: And Massimo, the outcome, so you end up with a set of tools, markers, if you will, of specific genes that we know if they're included in, they may have this characteristic on the fruit or bush. Who has access to those tools? How are they used? I mean, is this then patented information that the USDA controls as a source, but it's still available to plant breeders around the world, is that correct? How does that whole thing work?
5: Yeah, Rod, no, actually there is no patent behind the resources we are generating. All the genomic resources that uh, we will develop will be made publicly available. For example, uh, we are generating, uh, we are sequencing the genome of several blueberry plants variety to study the genome, the composition of the genes. Those sequences will be available in public database on the GTDB. It's the database of the vaccinium community for uh, other scientists to download and use in uh, research in blueberry. The platform, the genotyping platform that we are developing, actually, we are uh, actively engaging the the partners, which are potential users of the platform for establishing uh, and discussing which is the best, what we need, and then developing the platform that they can use and we can use. Now, the platform will be used in our project for studying the trait, the characteristics that we want to study, but eventually will be used by other scientists, the breeding program to study Other traits, disease resistance, stress response, any other trait. So it's a resource that doesn't stand on our project. It can be widely used by the community. All the other information that will be generated uh, will be released in publications uh, and then on the website. New phenotyping method that we will be using on the project will be posted on the website. At some point, if we will have some information on cultivars, how certain cultivars perform in certain condition, we can release that information to the growers. Uh, marketing industry, processing and distribution industry could take advantage of the outcome of the socioeconomics uh, survey, where we better understand which quality, which characteristics might have an impact on consumer preference or willingness to buy or to sell. So... It's a series of information that will be leveraged uh, through publications, through meetings, through resources that will be physically available for the community to use.
1: I've got a question. I'll ask this of, Patricio, just the idea that you're suggesting a speed, you know, compared to the 10, 15 years of process that it otherwise would take. Like, how far advanced are we talking?
4: We can do it in in half of of that time.
1: Now, it's not
4: just using the genomic information is also based in other you know strategies and logistics that we are using combining it's like i mentioned before you know we have a toolbox we are just adding more tools and this is just one more so the thing is that now in what rod was calling before in modern plant breeding you know we have more tools so we can do it faster
3: if i can add a little bit to that you know it's not only the speed, but it's the efficiency. And let's say we generate 10,000 seedlings and we have a marker that tells us that 9,000 of those are going to taste terrible. Then we can put just those 1,000 into the field and select for everything else. So we can really go after, say, productivity, which our growers are so involved in. So instead of our putting out a 1,000 that 90% taste crappy, we know that every plant's at least going to be good for that. And so I think it's going to speed up our process in the sense that we can select more rigorously for specific traits.
5: And uh, just if I uh, can add the last thing, it's uh, in terms of efficiency, it's also about the ability that now the opportunity and the ability that now you have to pyramid multiple traits. So traditional breeding, a breeder can do the best work, but it's not able to carry forward and select for a large number of traits. So if you start to have a number of markers associated with traits, you can start to more easily combine them and pyramid in a cultivar uh, more effectively than a traditional breeding.
1: That's why Rod brought all of you on. That the enthusiasm for what you're talking about, you know, I imagine people listening today, it poses this complete new opportunity, inspires all these possibilities that are yet ahead in competitive production. That to me is what's so fascinating about this.
5: Yeah, Casey, and so this pot of money, this project could have gone to another another crops. So we secured it as a team for advancing knowledge, resource for for Blueberry. And uh, I guess uh, going back to the question you made about the how the industry is involved, uh, which industry, how globally. I mean, we are talking about the majority of the Blueberry breeding worldwide, that it's directly involved and we are directly engaged with them.
3: Somebody needs to say the fact that Massimo has been the motivator, the leader, the builder, the organizer, He's put together a tremendous team and, you know, the sky's the limit. He should get the lion's share of credit for putting this all together. Lots of people like Patricio have put a lot of hard work into it too, but it wouldn't have come together without more
5: Yeah, Jim, thank you for uh, that note, but I want to also recognize one thing, uh, that I was able to do all that because colleague of mine like uh, Patricio and all the other. Uh, were uh, giving me the uh, trusted me and trusted and followed the path. So that is a big thing. And all that was possible because they trusted the path and they are helping the, I and mean, they, they are major player on the project. So, yeah, thank you to to all the team members.
2: I want to thank you guys for your time, Massimo, Jim, Patricio. I know we've got a good outreach coming. All the growers out there will be hearing from their research teams or extension people about this program as they go to spring meetings or attend them virtually as we are doing so many times nowadays. We will have some resources posted on our U.S. Bush Blueberry Council website. Are there other points or topics you guys would like to make sure that we leave our growers with?
4: Yeah. um, First, I I really appreciate the opportunity uh, to talk to you guys here and to share our project with the audience. You know, it's, it's it's a fantastic program, the one I'm working with, and you know, I'm, I'm walking on the shoulders of giants here, that make big contributions to the industry. The southern high bush or the low chill and no chill uh, varieties are the ones that are more dynamic, given that you know you need to replace them uh, faster. You know, uh, the rotation is is a lot shorter than that in the northern high bush varieties. And because of that, you know, the growers are replacing varieties faster. And so they keep us busy. We need to respond to their uh, needs. And in that sense, you know, the university has contributed significantly to, you know, developing more than 60 cultivars that are used around the globe. And then we keep uh, developing cultivars with a local focus, but with a global impact.
5: Final thought, I want to just uh, leave a last message, uh, especially for uh, partner in the industry. To the industry, uh, thank you for uh, for the support. I continue the industry to be engaged with the Blueberry Research community from basic science to more applied science. With your support, we can secure more funds, develop more deliverable, more knowledge that can help to sustain the growth of your operations. All other partners uh, stay engaged with us. We will look forward to transfer deliverable uh, that come out of the projects and uh, establish new collaboration and always feel free to engage uh, us if you have any question.
2: Well, thanks, guys. Really do appreciate the time today. It's been wonderful and wonderful to spend some time with you all.
3: Thank you, Rod. It's been great. Thank you, Rod and Casey.
1: <laughs> well, that was fascinating. A great conversation there with Massimo, Jim, and Patricio. I I really appreciate those guys sharing their time and expertise. You know, it was just fantastic. So great job, Rod, but wanted to start here with just thinking about what takeaways you had from this episode.
2: You know, it's always difficult to put such a large project in perspective, but I, I think what the growers need to understand is that there are tools that are being developed There's a lot of effort and a lot of research going on at universities all over the country that will be providing plant breeders with better tools to make quicker, more efficient decisions on varieties. So you're probably going to see an increase in the number of varieties available or new varieties being released. And that's going to happen faster and faster because researchers can be more precise on those crosses to begin with. So that's probably the key takeaway. The second one, though, I think is from an industry standpoint, almost as important. That is, there are a lot of researchers out there and a lot of money right now being spent by the industry, by research institutions, and by the U.S. government on working on blueberry-related projects. And that's important. We are beginning to be recognized as a pretty doggone important fruit crop in this country. And that's a good place to be.
1: Agreed. And and grateful to kind of have this platform to share, you know, what it is that they're working towards. But as I looked at some of the things that, you know, were takeaways, one of the standouts was just how data is really helping to drive the decision making. And we talked a little bit about taste, but I love Jim talking about, you know, his approach. Back in the day on how varieties came forward, you know, one guy's opinion. But yet when you listen to what we're doing here, you know, it's going to be really data-driven. And again, another theme, I think, that comes out of our podcasts in terms of how this industry is moving forward and kind of the work we're doing to kind of move our our industry towards data really driving decision making as as an industry. You know, the other part, of course, you know, that I think our audience is going to be intrigued and encouraged by which is the speed at which these cultivars will be more quickly made available and profitable and that whole thing is of course you know really needed right now and fascinating to just listen to how the work is progressing and and the energy that's going into bringing this all forward you know i think it's important to make clear here is just they talked about the investment that's going into this and i can stand here as president just knowing how little i've known or really been engaged on this project from a USHBC and NABC standpoint. But they talked about that funding and how much it's going into making this all happen. Maybe you can kind of give us some sense of clarity on how are they funding this?
2: So this is a matching grant. So there was $6.4 million put together by research institutions and in part by stakeholders. So either breeding programs or other grower or marketing organizations interested in the breeding project. They then went to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the NIFA, National Institute of Food and Agriculture, and there is a whole area called Specialty Crop Research Initiatives, SCRI is the acronym, got to be Washingtonian about it. They applied for this four-year funding which matches dollar for dollar. So they kicked in $6.4 million of federal funds. This is nothing to do with grower payments or anything like that. This is all new dollars. So there's a total of $12.8 million that's been committed to this uh, four-year project.
1: That makes sense. And I I think that's just an important point of clarity on when you hear USDA, you might think USHBC or whatnot, but just the idea that this is a public-private partnership that really is taken off here to generate some serious money for what they're working towards. So something we'll continue to follow, obviously engage in as organizations on behalf of the industry. And this is again, Rod, great episode. Looking forward to uh, sharing it with everybody. Well, that's it for episode 31. You know, I would really like to know what has been your favorite episode. It was great to hear Patricio talk about how he listens every week and he's got his classes involved with the business of blueberries. But what's been your favorite episode so far? If you could just leave it in a form of a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast so others can go and check out that episode as well. And that would be a great way to continue to bring people to this podcast, the work we're doing here, the platform that it's become, and getting more people to pay attention to what our industry is working towards, which is, I think, a really fantastic and inspiring future. So thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family, and hard work right here on The Business of Blueberries. And of course. A big shout out to all the students in Patricio's class who listen every week to every episode. So.
4: <laughs> I know. <I love> <laughs>